it, it's something that really, really, you know, gives me, gives me a, a smile is to see people changing their lives and doing nothing but positive things for them and making them feel better about themselves. Welcome to Trail Effect episode 35. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 35 features Victor the Slasher Sheldon. Victor is the guy behind Quick and Dirty Mountain Bike Racing along with a host of other events in San Diego County, California. Victor is also a former professional jet ski racer. During a previous time, jet ski racing ruled my life, so I really enjoyed conducting this interview with Victor. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Celsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Here we are, Trail Effect. I have Victor Sheldon with me today. Some of you know, may know Victor as a professional jet ski racer from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. But more recently, Victor is really into mountain biking and promoting mountain biking and promoting getting people on bikes within his community of San Diego. How's it going today, Victor? It's going great, Josh. Um, thanks for reaching out. It's uh, it's been it's been a, it's been a been some great years that I've had. <laughs> Being a jet ski racer in the '90s, you know, 2000s, I, I was able to, I was able to hit the jet ski circuit, you know, at its, at its uh, infancy, and you know, when it when it was at the biggest point with the most TV coverage, and you know, you had all the personalities in there, and I was, I'm really fortunate to become one of those personalities. So my my jet ski racing started in, I grew up in Alaska. I made a trip down here with a friend and we, I fell in love with the sport of jet ski and I ended up living down here and, and really that's everything I did was to, to become a jet ski racer. I didn't know what that was, especially being a, uh, just a, uh, a night, uh, 18 year old from Alaska and with, with just a high school education. And that's really all I wanted to do was to race jet skis. Nothing else mattered. And, you know, I, I got to spend 23 or four years doing it. And I'm really fortunate. It, it made me the person I am today, the competitor I am today. And that has, you know, brought me into the sport of, of mountain biking with, with, with those muscle memories. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about some of your early days in mountain biking and how that ties into this. You know, I, uh, my first ever mountain bike race was 1995 
the Cactus Cup. Quick little story. My friend uh, Bob Schultz was a neighbor. He was a he was a pro racer at the time. He's like, hey man, you know, come come race this mountain bike race in in uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'll take your bike for you. You can fly over. I'm like, okay, sounds cool. Never been to a mountain bike race. I show up just just before the the gun goes off. No warm up. Didn't even know what a warm up was. And there was like three or four hundred people in my class. And I went pretty much all the way to the back of the line in this. I mean, all you would look, you would look up and just see a sea of people. And you're like, this is crazy. I'm used to racing 20 people, you know, on a starting line and they're all lined up in a line. The everyone is like, it's like a huge freight train and you're just filing in there and the gun goes off and the front runners take off and about 20 minutes later, you get to take off. <laughs> That's a joke, but it, it was, it was, it was a very interesting time. I had a, I had a time of my life. I think I finished in the sport class. I finished in the top 10, which, which was, I, I passed a lot of people and I made, made a lot of enemies because mountain bike racing is, is not as aggressive as, as a sport of, of jet ski racing or motorsports, but I've, I've learned to, uh, I've, I had to learn the hard way and, uh, and, and I, and I try to respect all my, all my fellow competitors, you know, as a, you know, plus 50 racer these days. <laughs> there's a, there's a clear tie between jet ski racing and mountain biking in the aspect of it being physical and more physical than what some people might think in terms of the jet ski side of things. Do you want to talk about that a little bit from the physical aspect of what, what jet ski racing really is? Because I've, when I got into jet ski racing, I, I'm like, well, this thing's got a motor. How hard can it be? I was already a mountain bike racer. Yeah. It's uh that's a great question, Josh. You know, I personally, I've done a lot of, I've raced motocross at a, at a vet pro level, which is, you know, pretty, you know, it's pretty taxing. Obviously a jet ski racer. Um, I've done a number of, of other sports, snow skiing, um, snowmobile racing, so on and so forth. The jet ski is, is something different than everything. And a lot of people, and we're talking stand up jet ski here, not the sit down jet skis. The stand up jet ski has got to be one of the most taxing, um, motorsport racing activities there, there is. I mean, it, it's safe, but it's still the heart, very hard. You're standing up, you're using pretty much Every bone, muscle, body part in your body. Your core, your core is, is, I don't know if there's a better core workout than a jet ski. And we're not talking just, you know, go on a jet ski for a day. We're talking, you know, after 20 years of, of that muscle memory. And where I'm going with this is, is that muscle memory, you know, works so for so many other sports, especially mountain biking. It builds your VO2. It helps your core. It's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you can take from a jet ski. And, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a muscle building uh, activity. So more like a motorcycle where you kind of, you get, you need more muscle. And with mountain biking, you know, you need less, less muscle or lean muscle. So that's really, it ties in really well. I've taken a couple, uh, full roadie guys on the jet ski and, 
And it is, it's funny to watch because <laughs> they're just, they're so tired and, but they're in such good shape that, that they, it, it's, it's, uh, I get it. I get a kick out of it. The muscle memory from a jet ski correlates with cycling hundred percent, but cycling doesn't correlate with jet ski racing. If you're, if you're a full on mountain biker, um, it's really hard to go to that side without a lot of work. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's actually the jet ski racing that got me back on the mountain bike for the physical, for, you know, for the cardio side. But man, when I remember one of my first jet ski races, I was like totally eyes wide open, probably similar, but opposite experiences. You go into the cactus cup and when you went to the cactus cup, you know, that was when mountain biking was in its first heyday. You know, I mean, I was right in the middle of, of when it was on ESPN, you know? Yep. I was blown away. I was literally blown away. And to today to, you know, I'm still racing the cactus cup. I raced it, you know, in, uh, uh, they changed the date on, it was in March, I think this year. Any, any rate, I went and raced it again. I've won the overall a couple of times. Um, so it's, uh, it's still going. It's not as big as it was. But they, they're doing a great job of, of, of revamping it and bringing it back. And Specialized is still, you know, the title sponsor. And that's, it's just, it's really cool to see. Yeah. So let's talk about your transition out of, out of jet ski racing and into the cycling world. So we can set the stage of where you are now. I, so I, I've been into cycling. I was one of the first mountain bikers on the tour in jet ski racing in the early nineties. I had a Nishiki that I thought was the coolest bike ever. And, uh, it was a cool bike actually, but I've been into mountain biking. My first ever mountain bike was a Schwinn High Sierra. So, you know, I've been into mountain biking for, you know, since the beginning of mountain biking, but a lot of people, you know, they just think I race jet skis, you know, and that's all I did is I was just a motorhead. But, you know, we trained, we trained just like, just like, just like mountain bikers do. And so when I got into the sport of, of racing mountain bikes myself, you know, I did pretty good in my, in my, in my class. You know, I was, I started, I started as a cat one age group, I think 40 to 45 to 49. And the first year I won a national championship in that class. And people, people were kind of like, who is this guy? You can't, you, you don't just come in and win, you know, out of nowhere. But I mean, I had been race, I had been a racer prior to that. And I had been riding bikes for 20 years before that. So I already had, you know, the muscle memory and I'd already built that sort of, uh, engine, you know, and that, uh, uh, a large VO2. So, you know, I was, you know, but people, they just, you know, they just don't know, they just don't accept it. You know, now they do, but then they're just like, who is this guy? And how did, how did, where did he come from? You know, he's, you just don't, you just don't do that. You don't beat the guy that's always winning, you know? And, uh, it was, it was, a, it was really fun for me, but I had, you know, the, the backlash or the backstory is, you know, I've been a mountain biker as long as I was a jet skier. So after jet ski racing, you, uh, you decided to go all in with cycling, at least in your region with quick and dirty. You know, I didn't, I actually started, I was working in the motorcycle industry after jet ski. One of my, uh, long, long time sponsors, parts unlimited 
offered me a, a motorcycle team manager position at Thor Motorsports. Uh, I worked there for almost seven years on, you know, traveling the circuit for motocross, you know, supporting, you know, all the top level guys at that time. And then, and then I just, uh, they, they went through some different times and they're like, Hey, uh, sorry, but we have to, we have to let you go. You're like family. We love you, but you know, so on and so forth. So that was my first, pretty much my first real job, I should, should say. And my first real fire <laughs> or layoff. So anyway, I went from there to uh, Spy Motorsports doing a, a very similar job. And I was there for about three years and the same situation happened um, where they just came in. Hey, we love what you're doing. Uh, everyone likes you, but, you know, and I, I always use that, but, you know, and that's when I decided that working for somebody isn't for me because at any given time, they can just tell me, Hey, uh, but we love you, but, um, we gotta let you go. And that's when I uh, started quick and dirty in 2013 with a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Kurt Jensheimer. Yeah. The angry single speeder. So with that, how have you seen the growth of quick and dirty? Maybe you could do a rundown on what quick and dirty actually is for those outside of the San Diego region to know what, you know, what quick and dirty is and maybe some of the other events you guys support and, and promote. Uh, when Kurt and I started Quick and Dirty, we started it on a, uh, you know, a, a, our mission statement was basically very simple, you know, give people a good time, well-organized event for a good price. And today it still stands to that. Kurt, Kurt actually did only three races with me and then he took off to uh, Reno. <laughs> so I was kind of stuck building Quick and Dirty, you know, from, you know, 2013. But I, 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 he's a dear friend of mine. He helped me get started. He was, you know, with me in a, a really tough time. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate to become friends with him. But, uh, to, to really answer your question, you know, we, we still, you know, after starting with three races and now we're up to 16 races per year, um, we still keep that mission statement, you know, true. And that's give people a good time. And, you know, we try, we try our hardest to make the courses the best they possibly can, because that's what everybody's there to do. All the other stuff is just a bonus. You know, the, the vendor stuff, the little swag stuff that we give away. And, and, and we give away a lot for, you know, our, our, our base price on a, on an entry fee is 35 bucks, you know, and then it, it goes up with the, the larger events, but. You know, with that, we give away T-shirts, pint glasses. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But we 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 have really tried to keep to our grassroots initiatives, and and that's really important to us. Yeah. So, what does a typical quick and dirty race look like for just your your local series? Because I know you guys also have some larger, longer style events. So, quick and dirty is is the mothership of all of our events. Quick and Dirty is based off of a, an hour long intensity race. And I really feel that intensity is what a lot of cyclists lack. And they lack that because they go on long rides and, and that's super important. But to, to hear a gun go off and have somebody right beside you racing you, 
you can't mimic that in any facet of cycling. You just can't. It's like you can go and do your Strava segment. You can go and, you know, try to push yourself with your intervals, but there's nothing like, you know, racing for an hour, pushing yourself, trying to beat the person next to you. And that's, that's the importance. That's what a lot of people, you know, there's even people say, oh, it's just a quick and dirty race. But it's a very important quick and dirty race, not only to us, but to you, because it's going to, it's going to benefit you in the long run with intensity. So those, those were designed for that, you know, and our calendar year is, is got a little bit of everything for everybody. Um, so we do the quick and dirty races in May and June. Uh, we do a sagebrush safari and keep in mind quick and dirty has all these properties below it. Sagebrush safari, filthy 50, dirty 30, e dirty cross, which is a, uh, e-bike race. But there's all these properties are all different, you know, and we've tried to do that to, to attract, you know, all cyclists, not just, not just the, you know, the intensity guys, not just the 50 mile plus guys, you know, a little bit of everything. So we're really proud of our, our schedule and, you know, what it, what it, what it gives back to the racers and the community. And with that, you have a kids component. And I believe you might be an ambassador to something called All Kids Bike. All Kids Bike. Yes. Yes. And that's, uh, you know, we, our tagline with Quick and Dirty is racing for everyone. And, and it's, and we're very true to that. I mean, this last weekend was our last summer series race, which is an eight race series at Barona Oaks Raceway. And we have a, a, a special design course for the kids. The course was a little aggressive in the beginning, but is what was amazing was towards the end of the, the series, they were, they, they progressed. And that's, that's what, you know, puts a tear in my eye and a smile on my face is seeing that progression. All of this kind of revolves around community. You know, you've been involved with, with sports your whole life. You know, what are your thoughts on the mountain bike community or the second com- community in general? You know, it's a, it's a topic we've we've had in this podcast where it we've found that it brings a lot of unlikely people together. It's so funny you say that because I, I'm really fortunate to be in the community of mountain bike racing or, or mountain biking in a whole. I'm very lucky because, you know, the people are so respectful and like we very, very, I mean, I can't think of we've ever had any arguments. You know, everybody we've. You know, Joey, Joey Rodriguez is the, uh, is our timing scoring guy and he's fair to everybody. And we, we never have any, any confusion. Everything's like straightforward. And, and the cyclists, are, you know, it's not like, it's not like some sports where there's, they're fighting over their, their son beat their son and there's discrepancy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We don't have that. You know, it's just, it's smiles and, and good times. And, and that's really, you know, that's due to our organization and the people that are surrounding us. So, you know, we're very, I can't speak, I can't speak high, more, I can't speak highly enough of the community of mountain bikers and cyclists in San Diego County. And with that, you have a pretty large trail organization in San Diego. Are you guys, are you involved with that at all with uh, any kind of trail maintenance or anything? So all of our, 
I, I, I have a log sheet of, of trail work that we do with the community, you know, mainly with San Diego Mountain Bike Association. And we also help even more so with like the San Diego River Park, which has that we've used their trails for, you know, since the beginning. Dave Heckel was, you know, a very supportive of, you know, supporting mountain bike racing here in San Diego. And without his support, you know, we, we might not be where we're at today. Giving back to the trails is something that, you know, I, I support myself and I support through quick and dirty. Um, so we try to give back as, as much as possible. You know, at Barana Oaks is a, is a private, private facility that we were able to go and actually build trails and build a race course you know, for us to race during the pandemic, you know, and it was, uh, it was, it was done in, done in, uh, five weeks, five miles in five weeks during the month of November. And the trails are first class race course. It's, it's up to, uh, we can have up to us an eight mile lap or we can, we can condense it down to a three mile lap. Uh, Dayton Bedangus was very supportive of letting us, you know, do this. And he, he saw my vision and, and supported it from, from the beginning and still to this day. Branching out of San Diego, a lot of what you've done in life, I'm assuming I know has, has led to a lot of travel opportunities. Uh, I don't know how much that has been with, with mountain biking specifically, but do you have any communities that you've traveled to or a community or trail system that you've traveled to that has really stuck out as a really well-rounded community in terms of what they offer? for both amenities for mountain bikers or trail specific use and have really kick-ass access. The one that comes to mind is in Downeyville um, with my friend, Kurt Jensheimer. He, um, he opened up a sort of a, a guided tour um, business and they, they like, I, I try to mimic our, or try to do as much for our community as they do. They, they are always doing some fantastic you know, initiatives for building trail, maintaining trail, and just being, you know, very, uh, I mean, th- he does such a great job with that. And, you know, I always ask for his advice on how we can do a better job here because he was, you know, he was part of San Diego community at one time, you know, but he's, they're doing some great things in Downeyville. That's the, that's, that's about the only one that I know of that I've actually, you know, been, been in the middle of. I wished I could be in more and be more involved with some more and learn more about how, how people are doing it, you know, outside of our community. Yeah. And I mean, Downeyville is almost a poster child. There is a poster child of, of a great mountain bike community. You know, I have a personal friend of mine, a guy that I actually grew up mountain biking with in high school is the bike shop manager for CR Buttes. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and the stuff that, that they do there is, and the support they get from the industry is amazing. Their, their races are amazing. I've not personally been able to make it out to one. I have a life goal of getting out there to one or two, but yeah, Donnyville is, is one of those places that you hear about that comes up regularly as a good community for cycling. Yeah. Well, I think we need, we need to organize a trip out there, Josh. We <laughs> do. We do. We definitely do. With that being said, what types of trail really 
do you really like? You know, it's funny when you bring up certain things to, you know, in certain circles, you talk to some people love flow trail. Some people hate flow trail. Some people love techie stuff. Some people think it's, you know, it's, it's not good. Is there something that really, that you would really like to see or that you really kind of gravitate to in terms of what, what type of trail you like to ride? You know, I, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I like all trails, but I will, the only trails, if we're, if we're the only trails I, I sometimes get uh, bored with and annoyed with is is lots of tight corners where you're just like you know you spend three hours riding and you maybe maybe you've ridden you know 10 miles <laughs> you're just like oh my gosh you know it's just back and forth back and forth you know you get going fast and then you you stop and it's just like you know your your average speed is you know i don't know five five miles an hour or less so those are not the only ones that i you know if if I'm going to be negative about a trail, those are the ones that, and I like them, but not for, you know, not for three hours. Yeah. That, that's about the only one. You like keeping your momentum up. I, I do like, I do like a flow trail with some speed and just, you know, just kind of keeping your momentum. And that's what I try to teach, you know, to our, to our riders at quick and dirty is, is especially at the trails at Barana, because we kind of made them really flowy and, and, you know, a little bit of everything packed into that, you know, into those five miles is just keeping your momentum. And we built berms, you know, for people to learn how to go through a berm and use the berm to their, to their advantage. And that's, I mean, I really feel like with what we've created at, at Barona with, you know, building a basically building a race course, you know, these aren't, these aren't trails that people go in and ride, ride every day. These are, this is a race course that you know, that people race on and we, we try to allow them to ride on the course as much as possible prior to racing. But this is a race course with features that are going to help them, you know, become a better mountain biker, at least a racer. Yeah. Being that you're kind of in the, in the motocross, supercross capital of, of the country, do you, do you see many crossover athletes coming over and doing your stuff from other sports? Absolutely. Um, Will Hahn, you know, he raced just our, our race the other day. He's the, t- he was a, I think he was a supercross 250 champion at one time. He's now the team manager, uh, trainer, supporter with the, with the Yamaha team. You know, Johnny Omar races our races. Jeff Ward races our races. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, specialized is a, uh, uh, a, a sponsor of, of, uh, outdoor motocross. So they, they're, you know, there's a lot of crossover between the two sports. And I mean, I see it now. I see even more motocross people coming to our sport than, than they have than when I started, you know, 10 years ago. Well, you, you just brought up the next topic, which is, uh, support and specialized. Um, you are a specialized rider, correct? Yes, sir. And very, very lucky. You know, I always when a uh, quick story, like when I got into biking, I was always like specialized is like the best bike brand. Like if I could ever ride a specialized bike, I would be on cloud nine. And, um, I, I'm, I finally became that and the support that they give me and our sport and our community here in San Diego is it just, it, it, 
it's amazing. So I can't speak more highly of Specialized and the the people surrounding the brand. Yeah. So what other supporters um, do you work with now, either through Quick, Quick and Dirty or personally? Right now, my team, my team mountain bike sponsor is uh, Team Baghouse, and they're 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 a specialized team as well. Um, uh, Chad Smart at Team Baghouse started supporting me in uh, when I started with Specialized. I before I was I was riding giant bikes, and then uh, I got the opportunity to not only be an athlete but also support. They saw what I was doing, you know, here in San Diego with our racing, and then me racing, and it was just like a blanketed deal. Which, you know, like that's that was. I'm fortunate that they saw that in me. That you know, I'm not just a mountain bike racer. You know, I'm promoting mountain biking you know, here at, at a high level, you know, I mean, at a high grassroots level, I want to, I want to say that. So, so I'm on the baghouse team. I get some support from uh, Joe Lawwell at, at uh, Shimano and Jim Rasmussen is our local rep and has been amazing to work with. Like they, like these t-shirts, you know, they, they support us with, you know, t-shirts and all kinds of give backs to, you know, to our local community huge advocate for for mountain biking here locally our list goes on for for sponsors and hammer nutrition so i I have a really good me personally i have a great uh, support team from nutrition to great great bikes to great groups you know i could i couldn't couldn't ask for more but the list is long as far as uh the, the sponsors for quick and dirty mazda is our title sponsor and they've been, this is our going on our, well, next year will be our fourth year with them. So that's, uh, that's, that speed, you know, speaks highly of, of not only their brand, but how they're supporting, you know, a local mountain bike community. Yeah. Well, and you, you keep saying grassroots and, and the reality is, is that that's where this all begins. Absolutely. You know, it's really rare that somebody gets into competing in mountain biking or any competition at a at a national level it's all in the grassroots and that's one of the things that you know we really try to push with with this podcast is the fact that you know everybody talks about mountain biking and have to go having to go to these epic destination locations but the reality is pretty much everyone begins a mountain bike near where they live that's a you're 100 correct you know and me racing at a at a national level all the time you know, there, I'll be honest with you, there was times where I kind of overlooked grassroots and didn't understand grassroots. And now I understand it completely and promote it just as you said it. This is where they all start from. This is, you know, all of our sponsors that support us. You know, this is where these people start from. And we have to make sure that we do a great job of having them come race with us for their first time. And then having them keep racing with us. So when we see, when I see a transformation, it puts a tear in my eye when I see a transformation of a guy that comes to our races for the first time, might be a little overweight, you know, and then towards the end of the series, at the end of the year, he's, he's, he's went from last place to mid, mid pack. And then the following year, he's, he's winning that class, you know, that I, 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 it, literally puts a tear in my eye to see that yeah and it, it is life-changing it's life-changing and 
you know, then a, a two years later, you know, they're, you know, they're racing at a, at a national level, you know, so it, it's something that really, really, you know, gives me, gives me a, a smile is to see people changing their lives and doing nothing but positive things for them and making them feel better about themselves. Or that person has gotten their friends into it or their family into it. Yep. Exactly. 100%. They come, you know, I've seen them come and grow, you know, come by themselves and be very, you know, you know, uh, intimidated. And we always try to make them people feel more comfortable than anything, just because, you know, you can't, you can't come to a race and be intimidated. You have to come feeling like you're part of this. And we try, we try our best to have the best customer service we can. Super important to myself. Well, before we wrap this thing up, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you'd like to talk about or any kind of parting words? Parting words is I, I appreciate people like yourself to, um, to search out people like myself that are trying to do uh, great things for our community. And that's really, it really comes down to that is doing, doing the right thing for people and, and, and getting them involved with something and having them do something. I've always been a, you know, with my kids, I have a great family. My wife Piper comes and helps. My parents come and help at our races. My kids help at our races. And I always try to educate them on just do something, whatever it is, do something. Don't do anything. Just get yourself out there and do something. And even if it's wrong, you know, I'm not saying doing wrong things. I'm just saying if you do it, if you don't win at something or you, you know, you just keep trying, you know, and just keep trying and, and get out there and, and, you know, put your best foot forward. And if it doesn't work out, try something else. Well, sometimes those mistakes are most of the time, hopefully most of the time, those mistakes are the best way to learn. Absolutely. I mean, we always like to learn through others, but some of the best lessons in life are through your own failures. I know that's at least the case with me. Hundred percent, you know, and just just if you if you fail it, fail at it the first time doesn't mean you're going to fail at the second time, you know. And and I try to I try to be a role model to you know our racers. I try to be a role model to my kids and try to you know try to promote that. Just get out and do something. Just like us building trails at you know at the Verona Oaks, five weeks, five five miles in order to get that job done. We had five weeks to, for the race that was going to happen, you know, in that five week, week period. Every day I woke up, you know, you know, saying, I don't know how we can do this. So, I mean, the trail builders out there, I think they understand, you know, how many, you know, five miles in five weeks, what type of work that takes. And this is all by hand. This was, you know, we had, I think maybe we had an excavator for a half mile of trail. And that was, that was, it was just impossible not to have that. So, but that was all by hand done by some, some great people. The backstory to that is, is get out there and do something. Yeah. Five, well, I'm getting a mile of trail a week built is, is difficult in November in a drought in California in the desert. So, I mean, we had, we had, we had an, we had an amazing team. You know, we, we, you know, I amazing team of guys. Gabe Keating is a local legend here. You know, in San Diego, starting to build his his trail building 
uh, clientele and, and starting to do more trails, you know, throughout the country. So it was, it was awesome to expose him to his first ever paying, uh, trail building job. That's great. That's another good thing. I mean, that's an industry right now that is just blowing up. Yeah. And, and rightfully so, because, you know, can't do this sport without trails and people need to get outside now more than ever and do it responsibly and have fun at it too. Yeah. And, you know, I do want to, you know, uh, the trail community, what, how, how much revenue that brings to a community, you know, for a very little amount of, uh, of, of, uh, I mean, to build a trail investment, investment, that's the word I was looking for. Thanks, Josh. But the investment you built, you know, you put towards building a trail is, you know, I mean, you can, you can do it with volunteers. I mean, you know, with with some good guidance, but the amount of fun you have doing it is and how much you, you start to think about it, you know, through the night and through the morning and the next day of, you know, what you're going to do with this trail. I mean, it, it, it takes over. And a lot of people, as you say, how, 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 um, large this is, how big this is becoming is, you know, is from that reason because they, you know, they just start. I mean, I, I do it. I'm just like, Oh my God, I can go here. I can go there. I want to put that rock over here. And you know, the, the investment part, that's one thing we've had on quite a bit. And. Some people get it and some people don't. But when you look at investment for your, your return on investment, especially when talking to civic leaders, you know, there isn't, I don't know of any type of community infrastructure that has a better return on investment than trails. I mean, look how much it costs to build a pool and maintain a pool, tennis courts, basketball courts, baseball field, the list goes on, which are all great activities. I'm not going to bag at any of them, golf courses, you know, all that. And when you look at what the investment of a trail is for a community and the users that it serves, there isn't a better investment out there. Absolutely. You know, I think, I think one of the, the biggest downfalls I see here in Southern California is, is when we do build these, you know, when these trails do come about is the litter. That's the, what's what drives me bananas. But, you know, if we can educate them on, you know, you know, still using that, you know, pack it in, pack it out analogy. That would be amazing. But there's been so many new people coming out on the trails that, you know, they might not understand it as much or that it might, the, the trash might just fall out of their pocket on accident, so on and so forth. But I, I just, I pick up trash, you know, obviously it's not my trash, but all the time. But that's the biggest downfall that I see, you know, with our trails here in California because they are, have become so populated mainly because of COVID is, is the trash. And I mean, that, that can be overcome, but you know, I, I just, I just, I just really drives me crazy when I see that. But to answer your question, it brings so many people to, you know, to that area. They buy gas, they, they go grocery shopping, they, they go there for that trail. And it's a, it's a different time we have going on these days right now. And, but I think we're all going to come out of it, you know, ahead. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Victor, thank you very much. This is, uh, this has been a real, real pleasure for me because as, as we started out with, um, jet ski racing has been, was a big part of my life for quite a while. It's something I've been a fan of for even longer. Um, especially back in the day when, 
when you were racing with all the other legends of the sport, even though some of them are still racing. In fact, I just thought of one of the legends that you used to ride with, who is a real life, I think the only person I've ever met in my life or had the, the opportunity to witness in person as a real life cartoon character, it would be Chris Fischetti. <laughs> and like, seriously, he's like a real life cartoon. <laughs> he is a real life cartoon character. He is. He's, uh, he, uh, you know, it's, it's not really a, a show. I mean, it's just kind of how he is, you know? Um, but he, he was an interesting, like, I think I started out with, um, I really started out with, you know, the personalities of our sport. And that's, you know, when we st- first started, you know, we all had our own personalities and which really helped the sport of, of jet skiing to grow. You know, it, it really, it really, really did. You know, we, um, you know, everyone we had, we had, a, you know, we had, we pretty much out of the five guys that, you know, the main five, there was a lot of great riders, you know, in the, in the top 10. But I think a lot of the top five guys got, you know, was around, you know, got the, you know, built their, their, uh, their personalities more than the rest, you know, Jeff Jacobs, myself, Fischetti, um, Gocher, uh, there's a, there's a Nicholas Rios with his French Nicholas Rios was in there. Uh, Chris McCluggage, you know, he was, you know, kind of, kind of came up. You know, in the, the later part of the the nineties, I mean, there was some there was some good stuff, at, you know, in those early, you know, those early, you know, early to mid nineties. Yeah, great, great, great personalities. Like they're just, you know, I think I said in my other podcast, you know, we, uh, you know, that that those personalities, you know, we all we all seem to mesh pretty good. You know, we, you know, once once it got going later. You know, as years went on, things changed, but you know, it was a, it was a good, good time of our lives. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Victor. This has been a pleasure to be able to mix a little bit of jet ski racing into a lot of mountain biking and, and the communities that both those activities have supported over the years. Absolutely. And again, thank you for having me on. Really uh, enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. If you liked what you've heard, Please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Fact, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.